Greetings and welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to the season finale session of the Revenant Series After Hour podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Alexander, and I'm so glad that you're here. You know, one of the reasons why I decided to start this podcast series was because I wanted to have a space where people within the world of film could talk, express themselves, and tell people about their journey. It's sometimes a pitfall in the world of film because it's not as easy as it seems. I realized that when speaking to people who weren't too familiar with the aspects of filmmaking, acting, and production, they weren't really able to understand the terminology, concepts, or language I would use to express some of the issues or obstacles I would face. This podcast not only gave me the opportunity to speak to various people in the world of film, but also have a platform where a conversation and teachable learning moments could develop. The message and insight is so strong and powerful that someone else coming up behind me could be inspired. They could absorb all the information given and help them on their journey to become who they really need to be. And so, I ask again. If you know anyone who would be a great addition to this series, whether it be you, a friend, or family member, feel free to comment down below on who that would be. You could also email us at theofficialreferencestudios at gmail.com. In this final session, I have the privilege of interviewing another friend of mine, Shaquan Yates, a fellow screenplay writer, director, actor really needs to be, <laughs> and also he's the founder and CEO of Yates House, his own independent production company. Similar to me, Shaquan has served on many sets functioning in different positions, just as PA. We talked about black filmmaking, the art of storytelling, and how we can use our own life and circumstances to shape and create a story. We discussed the duties of a production assistant, set life, and the beauty of working with family and friends. And so, without further ado, our last session in this season, Shaquan Yates. Shaquan Yates, man, it's great to have you again. Been a minute it's to be here. It has been a minute. This COVID situation is crazy. Yeah, man. Truly. Yeah. So, what have you been up to? Mm, okay. So, um, as you know, I started my Yakes House production company right, right, right. two years ago, um, where I entered into like the North International Film Festival. Mm-hmm. I got a nice little buzz from that, and then I just started working on like a lot of in-house material. Um, right now, I'm currently working on a proof of concept that centers around a North individual who. Um, through some mysterious forces, mm-hmm. um, it's for real to have a family curse put upon her, right. which um, basically anything that she kills, she claims. And it mm-hmm. really transpires from that, and it really goes into the whole um, mental state of um, how we perceive individuals and everything of that nature. Um, she's She's put into a... She's put into like uh, the system in a way of by way of a seventy-two hour hold, and then after the seventy-two hour hold, she is released on her own recontinence, and then she is mandatory to go to a therapy um, session, okay. and that's where the proof of concept proof of concept film picks up. We are follow her through her therapy session and explore what's truly going on with her. The fact that she might have been misdiagnosed. Um, does she has a split personality disorder or is she seeing these um, entities? And that's where the film kind of um, not really draws the line like um, in a sense of is it or isn't it? It more of lean towards how we don't believe in 
any we don't believe someone until we see it and this film kind of goes beyond like there are things that you can't see and if you quickly diagnose someone you're not treating them mm. properly because you just diagnose them because you feel as though they fit a norm right so it kind it definitely explores that and definitely with um, sci-fi elements I love sci-fi anyone knows yeah. me knows I'm all about that sci-fi action um <laughs> Me, um, me and my family also, we recently wrapped working on another proof of concept mm -hmm. about um, time as it takes on um, more than a metaphorical sense. It takes on a literal sense. And that's coming soon. It's um, titled When Death Struck Time. Um, so definitely look out for that. <laughs> but uh, so that's what I've been working on now. Um, I'm also working on a show called That's My Brother. It's... Um, it's semi-autobiography about when my brother came to live with me um, just before COVID actually took right. place. So um, it shows like the unique type of relationship that you form with somebody in a small space. So I'm really happy like to bring that to the forefront. Um, the first episode actually premieres in um, April, so nice. I can't wait for that to happen. Nice, 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 nice. I bet you I'm sweating like a pig on this place. <laughs> you have to have your paper towels you need one um, but yeah so I've been working on that with my brother Daquan um, one of the, the driving forces behind Yeek's House production is working with family um, either in front of or behind the camera um, we are a tight yet tight knit unit and I just wanted to really I wanted to showcase my family's ability um, in very different medias so Yake's House production also like uh, is integrated with art and on a multimedia 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 I'm saying it wrong God damn mm -hmm. um multimedia I can't pronounce it now. multimedia yes multimedia okay. it, multiple okay. medias that's it yeah yeah that's <laughs> cool um <laughs> multiple mediums um such as music art and performance art. Yeah, that was, that was my fault. <laughs> but I see that, you know, you didn't let COVID get you down. So you've been definitely been busy keeping your yes, craft. Yes, um, I've definitely been writing. I've yeah. been doing a lot of writing. Um, writing is the basis of, mm -hmm. like, what started my production company. It really, like, mm -hmm. um, propelled off since then. Mm -hmm. um, I took on, like, the production side of things simply because I wasn't so trusting when it comes to um, outside forces. I only, like, really messed with my family, my friends, or artists who, you know, showed the same interest that we do. Mm -hmm. They really want this. They really want it to be a part of something. And I'm like, my family's giving me that love, giving me that support. Why not accept it? Mm -hmm. And then also put them on in the same sense. So that was something that was, like, near and dear to me. And that's mm -hmm. something that I've been like motivated throughout this time that we've had because COVID has like, it hasn't taken time from us. I feel as though it has given us time, right. given us time to Definitely. focus on us, given us time, whether it's mental health, whether it's um, finding an outlet for yourself, mm -hmm. whether it's just like reclaiming that time mm -hmm. that you, that is so precious that we keep saying we don't have, and now we have an abundance of it. So what are you doing with it? Right. And one of the things I'm doing with it is feeding my art. It's literally putting pen to pad, um, putting my hands to the keyboard. Um, so I've been working on a number of projects, and now it's just bringing those projects into fruition. Right. I definitely think COVID has given us a new lens to look at. 
in yes. terms of being creative. It's almost like a new renaissance of like where right. you have to emerge from something. You know, it's 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 kind of silly because I like I remember when COVID first hit and I was working um, at a film uh, cage at Montclair State University. Okay. And we had to go through this whole rundown of cleaning equipment. And I'm just saying in my head is like, it's funny how we have to clean equipment so aggressively now when this is what we should have been doing. Wiping Always. things down, doing things. So it's just like people now have to be so mindful of um, being sanitary and clean, but it's like we should have been doing this from the jump. You know? A friend of mine has actually pointed that out. We were recently at a restaurant, um, not like too recently, mm-hmm. but we were at like a little like private restaurant um, and it respected the boundaries of like six feet. I think it was every other table mm-hmm. was um, um, option to see. You had an option to see. Every other table was blocked off. Um, but my friend said something that was very weird. Like, why didn't we always have waiters cover their mouths when they're around our food? Right. I mean, they're literally holding out, like holding out food close to their mouth, proximity right. of their mouth. And they're breathing on it. You know, we don't know what they had the day of. Like, we don't yeah. we don't know if they have a cold. It doesn't right. have to be as severe as COVID-19. You know, it can be something as common as the flu. And you're breathing towards our food. So that should have been something that was looked at in the industry always. I mean, we have, um, we have health codes. Why isn't that part of it? You know? Um, and I think in this new world of filmmaking, because I was recently working in New York before mm-hmm. everything got shut down, right. and the protocols that came in for COVID was, it was it was a big production couldn't handle it, right. because at the end of the day, you need people, you need bodies when you're doing this business. You need you need a grip every five seconds. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So you need people to run, and you need people to be able to do that. So now I personally believe that it put us in kind of a box, but it's up to us to design the box, you know? How how do we want that box to be presented? And as filmmakers, yes, we're supposed to eliminate the restrictions of it, but I personally believe in this time, it motivates you to bring out the best part of yourself, and that is your creativity, right. especially if you're an artist. So it motivates you to not confine your spot, your idea, not confine it, but to re-envision it and to shape it into something that is susceptible to an audience. And right now, something that is relatable is this moment. Right. Is this moment that we're in. And of course, we want to see that reflected on television, in media, um, in film. We want to see life, life, art imitates life and life imitates art. Right. That's the old saying. And that's why you're seeing a lot of films not only um, showcasing preparation for COVID behind the scenes, but also in front of the camera. Right. You know, you have you have your actors wearing masks, you have your actors step six feet away. Mm-hmm. It's those, in, incorporating those ideas into your main idea is creativity at its best. I personally believe. No, you are 100% <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you, you pretty much just laid it out. Like, of like what the whole process of it is. It's just... You know, having something that you care about in a way, and then making sure that you put in the work. Right. Because um, filmmaking, 
I don't want to say that I hate this saying, but I know that a lot of people would just say, oh, if you just want to make a film, just grab some friends and get up and go. Yes, you can do that. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of steps and things that of take course. to make it's a, a film. Lot of, it's a lot of behind the scenes that you don't really get to see. You see the finished product. You don't see the product in this making. We don't know how the sausage is made. Right, we just exactly. know the sausage is there and we're right. ready to eat. Right. <laughs> but um, the work that you put into it is the work that you get out of it. And I feel as though, like, especially now, it's like, it is forcing us to be more safe. Yes. It is forcing us to be more alert to things that we weren't, we didn't really care about mm -hmm. when it comes to proximity, when it comes to storytelling as a whole. You know, this is a, this is a huge moment right now, um, not just for America, but for the world, right. you know, and docu um, documentaries are at its best right now because they're documenting our experience. You know, what we're going through in this particular moment, in this particular time. And though we as artists have this, um, we have this sense of ownership when it comes to our work. Right. Definitely. It's, it's ours. But it's like we're releasing it to the masses so they can in turn not understand us, but understand a moment, understand a right. story. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And really view it and take it in and like actually learn from it, grasp something from it. And I really think, like, right now, like, documentary, um, document, documentary, um, uh, documentary, documentary filmmakers, yeah. uh, feature filmmakers, um, science fiction filmmakers, right. all, all of these types of different genres, right? How can you, how can you utilize this pandemic to the best of your ability right. as a filmmaker, as a creator? And it's using that. I mean, I guess you couldn't have an alien outside attacking 100 million people. Right. Have an alien get into somebody's house, uh, um, appear in someone's house, and have it... You're not making the story small. You're focusing on a certain story. Right. And you're telling that story. Right. And that's just a different way to look at through the lens, if yeah. you will. Yeah, I, I would I would definitely say, again, like, like I think COVID has given us reasons to be more creative. Of, like, especially of with... Um, Malcolm and Marie, you know, you have a movie yes. where they're just in one location. Right. You know, and, and like for years, that's been like our yeah. thing. If you want to like curve your budget, mm -hmm. one location, um, curve your time, one location. It's like I said, it's not making your idea small. It's making the best of your idea with the parameters that you have. Right. And I thought I thought Zendaya's performance was really good in that movie, right. as well as um, David Washington as yes. well. But utilizing that time, and one of the things that um, that was really pointed out to me and that really stood out was the fact that Zendaya wanted the people of Euphoria to work during right. this time because HBO wasn't moving forward with the production at that particular time. They delayed it. So what can they do in this particular time period? They said, let's make a movie. She literally called the creator of that show and said, let's do something with this time. And she executive produced this movie or produced this movie. I'm not sure right. which one, but I know she she was on the production side of it. Mm. And that was like genius, you know? 100%. And then it's like, you took this story and you went through their whole relationship, but you didn't leave this house. And that's what I'm talking about. That's like bringing artistry to any level like any any situation you can apply art right. to even in this one and she got the best story out of it in my opinion it was like really really a nice 
there was a nice satire on relationships. So toxic. Um, 100% toxic. But <laughs> a relationship nonetheless. 100% toxic. And it's just, it's simply, you analyze the relationship in one house. And you did that because of COVID? No, you did that because you wanted to tell a story. Mm-hmm. It just so happened COVID is around. And boom. Uh, I definitely do want to ask you, uh, what got you started into filmmaking? Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> God, you're taking it back to like early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, uh, what honestly got me into filmmaking was I used to always like watch shows that featured like a sci-fi element. Right. And one of my favorite shows was Charm. Right. Um, I later adapted that show into like a game that I played with my siblings. Mm. And unknowingly, I was making little short films. I just, I, I, like I said, unknowingly, I yeah, didn't no. know. So it was, it was more of that element. And it was, I kind of stumbled into filmmaking, if you will, because I was already doing it. It's just a person didn't put a name to it yet. Right. And then like for a long time, I wasn't like, not denying my ability, but I was putting my focus on other things. And it just, it kept coming back. It kept, it was like repetition. It just, right. you're a filmmaker, you're a filmmaker, you're a filmmaker, you're a filmmaker. And it hit one time I was like in a class and I was on the final, or focusing mm-hmm. on the final, it's for economics. <laughs> um, and I'll never forget it because I went from having an A in economics to having a C in economics. And that's when I realized, like, it wasn't that moment, but it was like, I was taking my final for economics 201 and I literally, I was sitting there and I, I was thinking of a whole concept off of just a friend of mine's name, Marcus. And it's literally called Marcus the Great. And it was about a guy who was literally, um, he was sick of having his circumstances defined by other people. Mm. So he decided to take charge of his life and literally make the changes that he wanted to make in that moment. His inner thoughts became his outer thoughts. And it was unfiltered. And that's what I wanted to like focus on while I was in the middle of a damn final. <laughs> so I said to myself, like, you are a filmmaker. And I got through the final and I passed that class with a B. But it was a C in the beginning. Yeah. But um, I passed it with a B. But it was just like, I did see that decline right. in my interest. Um, and it's just, when this calls to you, mm-hmm. it's a love-hate relationship. And... Luckily, I found more love in it than hate. Yeah. And now I'm like fully pursuing it. I'm mm-hmm. like, um, of course, I have a daytime job to, to pay for it mm-hmm. naturally. That's, that's important. That's the hustle. That's important. But as an artist, like you're an artist regardless of what setting you're in. If you're in corporate industry, if you're in sanitation, mm-hmm. like no matter what you're doing, you're, you are an artist. If you are an artist in the true sense of the word, no matter what job you hold, the title who you are is an artist. And that will always shine through no matter what job you're doing. And it's just, you gotta keep going until you get to that level that you could afford to invest into yourself. Because that's why we work to invest into ourselves, whether it's to buy the latest iPhone, to um, get the latest fashion or whatever. You're investing in yourself. And as a filmmaker, we just take the latest Gucci and just buy the latest Samsung. You know what I mean? So it's like, I mean, Sony or whatever whatever camera you're working with at that particular time. Because we all know, like, cameras are important. Yes. But storytelling is the root. And often that is overlooked. Mm. But I feel like in this media today, it's like you have such a small window to have your voice heard. Mm. 
And it's like, you got to go for it. You just got to, you got to put yourself out there. You got to, you got to promote yourself in a sense of the word. Um, so, yeah. You said a lot, but <laughs> it's a lot that Because it is a lot. Gap, it but, is a lot to like, fill the gap. Like, just, to, just to piggyback like off of certain things is like, you definitely have to have a day job. When you it have comes to. to being a filmmaker because some people just want to go full actor, full this. Yes. And it's like how unless, are you going to support yourself? Yeah, like unless you are landing a Gucci deal or a GQ deal modeling, right? You cannot. Like you're gonna have to do something to keep the money because, especially in the film in industry, you can work on a project for like eight eight weeks, you mm-hmm. know, eight months, and then not have anything for two years. That's true. And then, you know what I'm saying? So, That's how it is. So it's like you have to find a way to keep the lights on. Right. And a lot of people feel as though you 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 have to go way left just to go right. right. And what I mean by that, I mean, what I mean by that is this. Um, when I first started, like, to try to get a, like, um, a quote-unquote nine-to-five, mm-hmm. right? Um, I literally was working in an activity section of uh, a senior citizen place. And when I was working there, I found that a lot of my interest in filmmaking can adapt here. You're working with people. Mm-hmm. Um, you're being creative on a daily basis. Your interactions with a person. Um, you contribute to a story. It's just not your story at that particular time. And you just take on a supporting role because you're helping another business to grow. But what I find is you can always, you can always find jobs or careers that align with your goals. Because I learned a lot of stuff from working at that senior center. Um, I learned how to really be patient and to hear people and to take criticism and actually not take criticism, but to maneuver my way around what is being said that I'm perceiving as negative. Because I'm perceiving it as negative. We, we, we often hear like, oh, they're criticizing us but they're not really criticizing you. They're pointing something out that you're not seeing, right? And they don't always have to be right, but they are making an observation from their perspective. And one of the things that I've learned is like literally me interacting and me trying to convince a senior from trying to leave the premises, I'm acting in that moment. Hey, I got your your daughter on the phone. You, You mind coming back and like talking to her? Getting her away from that door, getting her doing all that, that's me interacting with her. That's me using acting to get her ass back in the <laughs> building before she goes out and like seriously hurt herself. Yeah. But it's like little things like that. Me like um, coming up with um, a story time, for example. Like they don't want to read the same books over and over. Sometimes they want to hear a story. So tell them a story. And that's you being creative. So it's different ways. Like even if you work in a desk job, mm-hmm. you're interacting with people, you're making connections, you're networking, you just don't know you're networking. Like, you can meet a person who works at Optimum and just, like, works as an engineer at Optimum. But you don't know if he knows the CEO of Optimum or if he knows a person who works in this field that can correlate with yours. So, like I said, like, you have to be willing to look at things differently. And that's, it's just perception. That's what film is, is perception. It's your interpretation of, of somebody's work, right? And you have to apply that same logic to you. Great stuff. Stuff. Even that whole analogy is just like <laughs> mind blowing because because I think I was even saying to uh, an actor and people don't really think about this but I thought about it, it was like you know when we're younger and we're playing with 
toys. Yes. Oh my you God. Know, yes. You are creating a story. You're creating a storyline. Characters are the action figures. Yes. Like yes, you know, this is what it and, is. And, and and I was even thinking of like having actors play with toys. Right. To help them build a character. So it was like sometimes you play a character that you didn't create. Like so for example, you're Batman. Right. So now you have to play Batman and you have to do Batman things. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I was just thinking about that and I was just like, that's so mind blowing that that when we were kids we used to do things. Exactly. Creative things. You know, and now Playing with toy, like playing with action figures, moving them short, um, little by little. What is that called in our business? Stop motion. Stop motion. But but now it's animation. Yeah. yeah. Stop motion animation. Like yeah. you you were doing this thing when you were small and you just didn't know. It. And that's why I was thinking about um, the show Charm. I yeah. adapted it to a game called Witch. And the whole time that I was playing this game, I was storytelling. I was literally not taking the same stories that they were telling. I was taking stories from us, like. Um, like I, I don't. I remember it was something about like I was scared to go to the corner store because something had happened, and I made the corner store into like this cave that like me and my siblings had to go in and venture in, and um, I don't know, giving a bag of hot popcorn was the <laughs> mission, and it was just like shit like that yeah. that you don't think that is contributing to what you want internal. And like what I wanted internally was to be a filmmaker, and right. it was just expressing itself in different mediums. Yeah. And I think you said something earlier that's that no matter how creative you are, you'll always find ways to be creative. Always. And if you want to tell stories, no matter what you do, you're going to tell stories. Yes, you're going to tell stories. I mean, in the hood, we call it putting uh, 20 on 10. You know, you, you tell somebody you tell somebody <laughs> something, you put a little extra on there, you put yeah. a little additives yeah. in there. And it's like, that's not you lying because that's what people automatically do. That's you, you are embellishing the story, but you are telling a story. You are redefining that story. You're not reporting that story because if you were reporting that story, you'll you'll maintain the facts of the story. Mm. You wouldn't put that twenty on ten. That's the creative side. Same of thing it. with like playing telephone as a kid. You add yes. extra information you to make the story. I used to purposely yeah. do that. By the way, somebody used to say. Uh, the uh the the color of the ball is green. I said the color of the ball is red. By the time we got to the end of the person, it was orange. So it's like you you do this, and I wasn't the only one who was doing it because I said red to this person. So somebody changed that color somewhere along the way, and it's just like it's your own creativity, and I it, it's always flourishing. You just need to feed it. I do want to ask you because I know that you have set experience, and I think mm -hmm. you've done work as a PA. Yes, I've done uh, as PA, yes. Okay. So I talked with a friend, uh, Violet, and she, well, in the first podcast, she outlined that sometimes you're on set for like 17, 18 hours. More than that. Yeah. I mean, of course, yes. but, but I'm saying just like on a typical day, that's how many, you know, hours you are on a set. But I do want to ask, um, being a PA or, or just being on a set, working on a set, what are some of the things that you have to look out for as a pa you have to look out and it's it's a sad truth but you have to look out for everything your eyes is everywhere because your your produ your production your producer's eyes you work under a producer and that producer is to work on story and work on the, the how how it comes together mm -hmm. the look the aesthetic if you will you have to get those little details you have to know that this actor has to be here. You have to know the director has a short temper. You have to know that, to be honest, if the um, actors don't eat at a certain time, you're going against regulations. 
you have to know how long you can keep a child actor on set. Right. You have to know these things. And it's literally, no one tells you this. And that's something I'm going to tell you. No one tells you this shit. You figure it out. And it's just like life. Nobody sets you up for how life is. So that's not any job. That's why every job is going to be difficult or hard. Because nobody's really telling you how to do it. They give you the tools for you to succeed. But you have the tools. It's up to you to utilize those tools. And that's one of the things I found out with working on set. It's literally, your job is everything. If your boss asks you something, you are supposed to have an answer to it. It may not be the answer that they want to hear, but it's the answer that you should have ready. Right. And I don't mean just pull it out your ass. If I don't know it, I'm going to know it. Oh, what time is the actress getting here? I'm calling her now. That's the answer you give. You don't say, I don't, I don't know. I don't Because if you don't know, you should know. Because that's why he's asking you or she's asking you. She's asking you a question because she or he, he or she wants to answer. And that's 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 mm. like the best way I can sum up being a production assistant. No, that was that was that was deep. Even that line, like what time is the actor supposed to be here? Oh, okay, I'm gonna go find Exactly. It. Be- because, because I'm calling them now. It's yeah. simple. Because a lot of people do not want to take responsibility. No. And I know that when we were on Marcus and Set, we talked about how you know, versatile, you know, not to plug myself, but how versatile I can be in terms of I'm jumping on camera, I'm jumping on side, I'm jumping on that. You were so interchangeable on that set and not only that set, when we were working on my film, being an artist, it was just your ability to adapt was insane to me because it's rare you find individuals who match you. And that's what I like about this industry because it shows you the people who want it and the people who just needs it. Because if you want something, you work hard at it for a little bit of time, Mm -hmm. right? But if you need something, it becomes your essential and you work hard at it every single day and that's what you did. Like one of the things I really, really appreciated about you on that set that day was just, I didn't have to worry about you. I wasn't like, he needs to be here. He needs to be here. She needs to be here. Joshua was already doing it. You know what I'm saying? And that's what you have to do. And like, if you're behind lights and we don't have sound for that day and we have two light people, guess what? You're going to do sound. And you need to roll with those punches. Mm -hmm. And as a production assistant, that's what you were. It was times I was holding the boom mic. It was times I was on the floor. It was times I literally was holding a piece of paper because the actress, she's a little girl, couldn't even remember lines. Like, in the director is like, not the best when it comes person being personable. So literally, I made a goofy face, got her laughing, and put the paper literally right there, just out of frame, yeah. so she could read it. And then at one point, she got comfortable with it, folded the paper, put it away, and she was performing it. It's just about getting them comfortable. And not all the time, is it's not always up to the director to do it. You're a team. You're a mm-hmm. unit. When a director slips, that's where you stand up. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's like... That's what. That's how it works. You're a unit. You're a team. You're a family. Right. And at that particular time, family helps family. Right. And your adaptability is key to every job. Because if you show up to a job and you only know how to do one thing, what if they hire somebody else? You know? Oh, I'm sorry. I already hired somebody. You know anything about um, lighting? Hell yeah, I know about lighting. I know you can put this here, put this here. That's and how you that's the, the point that I was going to make, is that especially in this industry, mm-hmm. You know, let's say you're being a PA assistant, right? right? And then the gaffer's not there, or the grip's not there, or the cinematographer's not there. Hey, do you know how to do this? Yes. Guess what? You have that job. 
Exactly. And it's literally, as a person who has worked on multiple projects in New York City, it is literally like that. Yeah. It is the person who is adaptable and who can do the damn job yes. who gets it. Not the, Just because you show up, just because you have yeah. that experience, doesn't mean nothing. Right. Because guess what? Everyone has that experience. Everyone has that, like, not your experience, mm -hmm. but the experience that is required yeah. of this particular job or this particular task. Yeah. So how? what do you bring to it? What do I bring to it? Mm -hmm. You know, that's what separates directors, want to be directors. And then always be willing to do the job. Yes. Always looking for ways to help because yes. people are going to notice that, you know, you're on set and then they're like, okay, oh, can I help you with this? Can I help you with that? With that? And then they're like, okay, this person is eager. You know, let me get him more on mortgage. Let me get him more on um, stuff like that. So that's definitely one way that you can move on up. Exactly. And then another way is literally not making yourself small. Mm. Not sitting up there. If, if, if someone's offering you an opportunity to learn something or do something, get hands-on experience, jump at it. Because the moment you let that moment pass, then that's your moment and you, you just let it pass. It's over. It's done. Yeah. It's not coming back again. Yeah. If I'm looking if I'm looking for a cinematographer, I say any cinematographers in the room and you have camera experience and you don't say something, you don't do something, you're never gonna get more experience. You're never right. gonna grow because you didn't take that leap. And that's what it's really about. And like as a production assistant, things work fast. Mm -hmm. And it's like before you know it, you're about to call a rap on a damn project that yeah. you just got there. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it is that sense of don't limit your own capabilities because you don't know your capabilities until you try it. What is the difference that you noticed between your last project pre-COVID mm -hmm. and your current project that you re recently just wrapped, Royalty? Right. Um, a lot actually because like what was the what was the behind the scenes, if you will? Are you talking that? about like a completed project or a project that I've done previous to Royalty? A project that you've done previously to royalty, however, before COVID was in effect. Okay. So pre, like pre-COVID, mm -hmm. what was the project like compared to after COVID, during COVID? Okay. Um, I would say okay. So the project that I was supposed to do was Penny. Okay. Um, and that was my film two project. Mm. I filmed it. Uh, some things happened where I booked the space and the person was trying to kick me out of it, even though I booked the space in advance to shoot hair. So they told me, oh, um, do you know how long you're going to be? You know, you're holding up the bathroom line because I was shooting there like the booth mm -hmm. and like, oh, you know, you know, customers are going to come in. No one damn well, no one is coming in. And Nobody had even submitted a complaint. But I think the problem was that uh, one of the employees was trying to get through like where the light was mm -hmm. and it was huffing and puffing. So they were kind of making it like that. But it's like, I emailed the person that I'm supposed to because whenever you're supposed to shoot in like one of the dining areas mm -hmm. at the school, you have to email somebody. So right. I did that once in advance because this is important. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the problem with that also was that I was so focused on getting the space that I wasn't securing other actresses to fall back on right to play the part of right. penny because if i don't have penny i don't i, I can't do the movie exactly That's also what is that i was playing a character rush so i couldn't do anything mm -hmm. because i'm supposed to be acting in it right you know so i think i took myself out of being acting in the movies because if i'm the only one that knows the stuff on set and no one else doesn't know it mm -hmm. 
the movie is, is pretty much screwed because 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 I can't be in three places all at once. You know, if I'm acting and doing that, it's extra work. But um, when wearing that those many like as many hats that you wear on the set, do you ever feel as though that you can convey to the actors, hey, I do need help with this particular yeah. thing? Because I have noticed on um a few of sets that we've been mm -hmm. on together that actors have taken on more of a behind the scenes role as well, helping us set up lighting mm -hmm. and things of that nature. Yeah. So have you had those experiences on your set as well? With Penny, uh, because I didn't have. Because all right, so it was a group project, so you you were supposed to help each other on other people's films. Okay. And I produced one person's film throughout. You know, I, I had everything, like all the stuff that you see here. Mm -hmm. And then it was time for my project. Oh no, I have class. So, the simple fact that I was you know doing all the stuff and then you just pulled that on me hurt me. I was like shit. Like I really like produced your film here. Because it's bull. You you yeah. you sacrificed the most precious thing we have. Yeah. Time. Yeah. Exactly. And so. Um, I had to use an actor, um, Kyle, to hold the boom pole because, oh, I have to go later. So it's always when you're in situations where you need help, people always pull out. Okay. And um, I didn't, and I, I, I ended up wrapping the project, but I didn't, you know, I didn't have the help that I needed. Right. So I, I didn't do the project. Okay. I was going to do another project, uh, Sovereign. It didn't happen because people just, you know, it just wasn't, you know, going to happen because of people yeah, schedules black heart i was supposed to do an actor uh the day before black friday had complications i won't say what it was because it would be embarrassing but they had complications they couldn't do it so okay. i didn't do it then um i was so determined mm -hmm. to get a grade because he was like oh you know just take the incomplete and then you know finish it over the next year if I, if i would have did that i wouldn't have graduated because COVID happened right that's true you know what i'm saying that's so true. me being so determined Ambition, which I want to kind of plug into, is that I said, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. So I managed to film a church service and turned it into a movie about mental health of me having depression of everyone kind of leaving me. You know okay. what I'm saying? And so I literally got naked in the film in the tub started crying to show like the signs of overeating, mm -hmm. uh, crying, mood swing, you know, all that stuff. And then having myself kind of joined the church on film so i'm filming it mm -hmm. you know and then i told someone okay hold the camera i'm going to join the church for the altar call to wrap the film that's tough and then after that it made me cry because it was like the music that the church did that, that that i used and then i think when i was playing the song that was like very like emotional and then the credits rolled uh, along with from home cowboy it made me break down and cry because it's like i'm along with from home of so much I had to go through right. to get this great and make the movie. It wasn't a movie that, that I wanted to make. No, but it was, it was a movie that I had to make exactly. because of the sacrifice. Now, moving forward, I did Blackheart previous to uh, Royalty, and that was in COVID. So, so that was the first 2020 film that I, I did. And that's called Blackheart. Blackheart, yeah, okay. which is the one that I was supposed to do for Thanksgiving, but things happened. So right. I went through Breakdown, and I got some casting, uh, some actors. We, we managed to finish that. It was an eight-page script. Um, Royalty happened. It was a 50-page script okay. that I wrote, and I filmed it less than 72 hours. I'm not doing that again for multiple reasons. Hours, because 55 pages. The day of, the sound person canceled, so I had to wow. pull someone who was supposed to do gaffing to do lighting. That's now, 
I'm doing cinematography because I don't have a cinematographer. Mm -hmm. Someone else has to do sound, and they're not really that good. So I have to walk through, you know, through that, you know, that whole procedure. So I'm and what about those those people that you walk through, um, like how to set up and stuff like that nature? Did you feel better knowing that they were willing to take that up and not only oh, take that yeah. up, but actually contribute to mm. the filmmaking process, not only in front of but behind the camera mm. as well? Like, were they open to that idea? Not all the time. So okay. I won't mention the person's name because that's not the point of this whole podcast. Of course not. Have to do it. But um, I had an instance where I told a friend to do camera. They said, no, I don't want to do that. In front of people on set. Mm. And I felt so embarrassed. I said, okay. And you know, and maybe that might have showed the actors, okay, I, I, I get to say any, anything to this person you know, mm -hmm. on set or people off set. Maybe that's why they're kind of treating me in that way is because I let that slide. But I don't want to, you know, embarrass anybody. Cause of course like, not. Because it was like, like, usually you wouldn't say that to a director, but also what, what, what we plugged in earlier was that who wants to do camera work, I'll do it. You're so eager to do it. That's how you move on up. And right. it's just so stuck in their way of, okay, this is what I want to do on this film set. That's it. Don't ask me any, anything else. It was like a fair thing. But I was like, okay, you know, we're, we're right. friends. Right, if it's not, you know, if it's outside it off, of ha, your ha, comfort ha, zone, but, of course, it's not for you. Mm -hmm. However, it was something that was offered to get you not out of your comfort zone per se, but, but to teach you, teach you something that you might be more interested in, mm -hmm. or you might have it might have piqued your interest mm -hmm. had you been more open right. to it. Yeah. And that's and that's what it is yeah. because while while you were on set, you were in multiple different yes. acts: director, producer, um, lighter, lighting, cinematography, mm -hmm. acting in it. So it's, it's like work too. Like, sometimes yeah. it work too. Yeah. I mean. And it's like, you're doing all of these things, you're wearing all these hats, but why did you yourself take on that, that type of, that type of gumption? Like, just, I want to, I'm open to learning this, I'm open to learning that. Like, I, I want to know how to be the cinematographer, how to light. Like, why yeah. did you take that on knowing that all the stress and the craziness yeah. that comes with I, being a director yeah. initially? Well, see, that's the thing. I don't think I even took it on. I think I just did it because it needed to be done. Right. And that's the problem is like, with me being understaffed, mm -hmm. filming royalty, of doing all those things. Independent filmmaking in, at its Independent best. film. You know, I'm not saying it to make it feel, you know, uh, bad that I've spent, but I've spent $2,000 on that. So I'm spending money. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to feed the crew. Right. And I'm doing so much shit. Mm -hmm. Right. And working in order to be able yeah. to financially support the film that you're trying to make one person that was pulled on an ad got upset because food wasn't ordered now obviously i said okay everyone will be fed this was the second day we had so much to do mm -hmm. and we're rushing because i need to get this because i'm only spending two thousand dollars for three days okay. so, and we're shooting you know what i'm saying so i'm rushing i'm not thinking the shot choices that i made I wouldn't have made consciously because I would have took my time to do it, but I can't because we have things to get to. And it's a long script, but okay. we managed to wrap because we, we have to cut corners and do different things. So I'm not necessarily happy with the end result of the film, but I'm happy that it got done because it showed that I'm capable of doing it. Just like how I, I plugged in earlier with the PSA uh, uh, depression film, mm -hmm. it can be done to do a 50-page script less than, than 72 hours because I can do it. Right. So 
not saying that I'm I'm a woman. You did it, or I'm the man without the like the number of help that you really need. Yes, to actually be which is not good because the project suffers because I don't have everything. Okay, so have you learned from that? Have you have you delegated certain roles to certain individuals now that you've moved on past that whole I have to wear all these hats I have to do all of these like are you more comfortable in being in the director's chair firmly yeah so the next project that I did the Guerrero Brothers I didn't touch the camera at all okay so I said cinematographer this is what you're gonna do and I just what's the name of it again the Guerrero Brothers the Guerrero Brothers the Guerrero Brothers Guerrero Brothers Brothers. so it's a story about these two uh, Latino brothers that are in uh, the mafia Oh, okay. Yeah, I won't spoil a little bit too much, but but um, so I was like, you know what? I'm not touching the camera. I'm gonna take a step back and see the whole directing thing. And I think it's just that I just don't know how to explain what I want. Okay. That it kind of got me frustrated because I was trying to tell him, okay, I want this, I want that. Yeah, because it's up here. You yeah. see it so clearly up here. Yeah. Trying and then to they don't see verbally it, express you know? that is so yeah. difficult because yeah. they're not up here. You know. Yeah. So like that. That's what. So I think I kind of retreated back to you know what I'm gonna do it myself because right. you know what I'm saying. Me, me, but, me. Um, I can do it. I can do it. Yeah, I'll which do is it. bad. But uh, to kind of drive, drive, drive this point home is like you know I'm doing so much stuff. I just hope that when everyone sees the film, they understand the sacrifices that I made into it. You know, it wasn't my intention the second day that I didn't get a chance to feed the actors because that really makes me feel bad that one of the actors had to order food. I'm responsible for that. Right. Furthermore, we had people on set giving me suggestions for film. That didn't happen. So if you're hungry, why did you use that time to say, hey, Josh, I'm hungry. When are we going to eat? Mm-hmm. No one said anything to me. So when I found that, I'm like, what? Someone said ordered food for, you know, you know, for the crew? That's, that's unacceptable. I have three ADs here. Why is, why is anyone talking talk to me? Okay, when are we going to break for lunch? Or when are we going to break for that? And one of them took offense and said, you know what? I'm leaving early the night before I'm supposed to leave. So the third day when we're supposed to wrap. Okay, how was it delivered though? Because our delivery is key. How was it delivered he, that he, no, they well, weren't? Well, they brought up the point like you promised food. Uh-huh. I wasn't fed. I'm upset that you guys had pizza. I'm like, I didn't know people even had pizza. But the AD wasn't aware of this? No. So I had three because... You had three ADs and none of them were conscious about feeding the cast or crew. Yeah, no one talked to me about, hey, we've been shooting for a long time. Let's go order food. Because we're so wrapped to finish the film. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, when that person took offense, it was just like, bro, like, you see what I'm doing? Exactly. Like that, first of all, that, that's not even my responsibility. That's the AD's job. So the director doesn't even touch anything. Mm-hmm. But because I'm understaffed, I gotta do it right and because so, you're the director captain yeah. of the ship you gotta ride exactly. the waves exactly everyone blames you exactly and so and so um, when they told me that in my mind I'm like okay I'm never working with you again because that's childish what and was your response no no like I, I said okay um, you know that's unfortunate but in my mind I said that's childish and that's insubordination because you're leaving before I release you you're saying I'm leaving the night before because of X, Y, and Z Right, you're leaving before your contract was like even yes. like slated. And you to signed end. the contract. So that's insubordination. You know what I'm saying? That's a breach of contract, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like <laughs> come on, I mean, this is like I get that you're being I get that this like we're all human, yeah. first and foremost. 
but it wasn't made to it wasn't made to belittle yeah it wasn't made to degrade yeah. it was literally that comment was made in the pr pursuit of making a film mm -hmm. that you signed on to do and now that you're departing early mm -hmm. i mean that's yet another hat yeah. that yeah. you the director yeah. has to pick up yeah and they weren't mindful uh, i mean not they i don't yeah. want to talk about the all of them yeah. but this particular individual wasn't mindful of that prior to like mm -hmm. especially if i see you doing this grabbing grips um being a cinema yeah. photographer and now you're leaving so now, now i'm leaving. more understaffed you're adding to me not being able to not necessarily not being able that's the portrait of words but you're adding to it you're adding to the the overall problem mm -hmm. with yes, yeah. that is the simple fact that yeah. i have to wear all these hats i have to get everything done and though that you're the captain on the ship, you're not the only one on the ship. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's something that that individual did not understand. And what dawns on me, and it really like makes me, not I don't know this individual from a can of paint, right. but what makes me look at this individual is kind of with, not, not, not so much as like, I don't understand, but like, mm -hmm. What is your problem? Like, what, what mm -hmm. if you consciously know that we're understaffed before you left? Why would you leave? Mm -hmm. To add to that, right. you know, if it's so chaos, if it's so unprofessional, right. unprofessional is breach of contract. That's unprofessional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like, yeah. if you see a problem, why add to it? Right. And then to just you know further conclusion, you know, to end this point. All of that, that that has happened, I've learned that in 2021, when I was supposed to do a project and people dropped out, I was like, you know what, I'm not touching this again. I left the project alone because I'm not going to pick up the slack again. I've been doing this too many times. All right. Well, what, what is, wouldn't it be better to find individuals more suited for that particular role? Yeah. Like, well, but like what I'm saying is like- I want you to ever give up on your project. Well, no. Okay. But like what I'm saying, like in terms of that is that- Oh no, you got to walk away from this yeah, like, for right now. But like I dropped that project because I knowing me, I would have continued to do the project when people were dropping out, and it's like oh, you I'm not doing it. Yeah, to take on those yeah, responsibilities. Yeah, yeah. And then, it would all be and then I would okay, continue okay. to try to fight when it's just like there were signs previously to royalty where people couldn't do a role or do certain things, and I continued to do it because I really wanted to make the movie. Now I'm like I'm doing everything. I'm not doing that again. How many people did you have on set when you did a royalty? Behind the camera, I had like maybe like five, five people. Well, and you were working with a cast of how many? Eight or nine. A day. Well, just like in the whole thing. in general, yeah. but um, the people who were assigned their particular task, how did that interaction go with COVID now in effect? Well, in terms of the the regulations, I'm always looking at how many people I need to fill the roles of maybe a cinematographer, mm -hmm. uh, grip work, gaffing, uh, sound. So it's never really so much how people I need to have on set. It's always what I need first before that. But um, I, we definitely kept it light because the original script was going to be like a party. Right. So it had so many extras in it. So it definitely would have been over-regulation anyway. Right. So I think of that as like a godsend of that project not happening the first time. And then me doing the slumber party thing worked better because now... So I change, you changed it from a party because when I first yeah, initially yeah. read it, it was a party scene. Yeah, yeah. So you changed that to be more intimate with the characters. Yeah. And that was 
that was because that wasn't solely because of COVID. COVID yeah. was the, uh, the underlying issue, yeah. and your solution to it was to make it more personable. Yeah, which in turn didn't change the story. It added made it, to it. Yeah, and it definitely made it better because I alluded to what happened, what was supposed to happen in in the previous. So pretty much, this is a sequel to it. Okay. Because what was supposed to happen, this is the follow up. Right, because this is supposed to be like what mid season or yeah yeah yeah. So that was supposed to be like the season finale. This is like a whole season went by. This is like the half leading into like the final, going into like you know season four. So uh, I just adapted, you right. know, and um, I've just learned that I'm no longer going to be doing too much stuff. So when you know actors cancel or people can't do things anymore, normally I would spearhead it. You know what happened with royalty as like you know I'll step in and I and I'll do X, Y, and Z. But it's so much strain on me. You know, yes. I'm only one person. You know, so I'm just like, okay, th- this isn't gonna happen. It's not the, you know, it's not meant to be. I'll work on something else. Right, you but know? do you walk away from it permanently, or do you walk away from it temporarily? I don't think I ever really walk away from anything permanently. Right, because it's like it's always in your back yeah. burner. It's because because there. even if I make a movie and it was good, the best that I can do, I know that later down the road, this can be rebooted and be better. Right, you know, it could be a remake of something that I've done, and I can enhance it with the knowledge that I've learned and the crew that I've gained. So I mean, like, there were many projects that I couldn't get off the ground. Like, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. But I'm gonna do it later on when I have the right people on team. So right, because it wasn't just it. It was right, but right. it just wasn't right, right. now. I mean, yeah, exactly. Right. right now. So you know, with the horror project I wanted to do it was called uh, Once Upon a Night, and it was just in one location. It was about a girl who was trapped in the storm and a killer comes to a house so mm-hmm. the plot's that the storm happens everyone is on lockdown she gets a knock on the door it's raining can you let me in she lets the person in finds out the person is the killer mm-hmm. and so now it's the thriller of the person of of the killer trying to chase her down in the house didn't happen because the person that i was going to cast for the killer couldn't do it for unseen circumstances and then other people started dropping out like flies and now i could have prolonged the process and did like a whole casting call but uh, but it was just like you know what if it's a sign that people are dropping, maybe this isn't the project to do right now. Let me focus on something else. You know, so I've just learned to just move on from things instead of trying to pull all the weight to it. You know, because it's hurting me more than it's hurting the project. Completely understand. Like that was one of the reasons why I like I started working with my family mm-hmm. in the first place. It was more than a sense of comfortability. Like Yake's House Productions, mm-hmm. it was like traditionally started with family values Mm. um and those family values were working together utilizing each other's strengths um highlighting the weaknesses so we can make them strengths Mm. and i found it i found myself more comfortable working with my family somebody who's reliable Mm -hmm. because they showed that they showed all my life they showed they were reliable they showed that they were a willingness to be there for me so i felt more comfortable um inviting them in mm-hmm. you know inviting them into the process and then they just exploded you know it was like my brother went from holding the camera to studying it to seeing like oh yeah. can we get this shot can we get and now like he's interested he's interested in more than just music which music he flourishes at mm-hmm. um but it opened his perspective to different things and that was like one of the like the main catalysts for me integrating my family my friends my circle into my dream, my goal, which is this, yeah. filmmaking, the process. Right. The process. Um, 
So it was definitely it was definitely that. Um, how do you feel that you handle things now um, from all of the experience that you had on previous projects, be it your own or be it working with someone else? Mm-hmm. Like, what has what has what what is a lesson that you've learned yeah. through your experience? Uh, you know, I think I think I've just learned that um, I can't let things be too personal. Okay. Because uh, maybe it's just that I'm just a very emotional person, or maybe an empath, and I feel emotions and yada yada. But I think it's just that um, my mindset going into it was like, okay, I'm professional, so I have to conduct myself in a professional way in terms right. of you know uh being you know always on time and is inspecting people to do the same things but not everyone is like that no. people are different you know mm-hmm. so i think you know today i've been kind of uh rebirthed and my eyes have been opened new to realizing that you know what I, i'm expecting too much i'm putting in too much too much care and not to say that you shouldn't care about it but i care about too many things and i think that's why it hurts is because i care about it Right. If I didn't care about it, it yeah, you you have to let it go. So I've learned that you know what, I'm I'm not gonna take it to heart anymore because it's like it's not personal. It's business. You know, it's business, and it's the thin line between business and personal, especially when it comes to our industry. You're literally asking someone to take on a character that you created, that you envision, and then it becomes a partnership. Mm -hmm. It becomes a trust that they are then in turn bring that to bring that character to Mm -hmm. life. And when you when you're when you're getting into that, it's like you are opening yourself up to hurt. You are opening yourself up to mm-hmm. failure, but you're also opening yourself up to success. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said it's always good to know how to toe the line of both mm-hmm. business and personal. Right. right. Making those connections. Right. Yeah. So I've just learned that I'm not going to let that be the reason why I don't continue to do what I want to do because you know I can't let what other people did pull me away from me still trying to conduct exactly. you know business and me still trying to be a filmmaker I'm just taking a step back okay you can't do it thank you that's fine I'm not going to even be not saying I was sending long emails but it's like I think it's just ego of me wanting to defend the point of oh, you're not being professional because no 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 it's just like you know what I'm I'm gonna let whoever down the line get to that Right. You know, I I think I always pride myself of being the unofficial one to be the one that okay, you fucked up on set, I'm the one to set it right. Right. Th- that's not my job. That's not my responsibility. Right. You know what? It's like okay. So that's what you you've you've grasped out your yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. Like it's I realize like, that you're not my responsibility. Yeah, it's not. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's just that I cared about them, you know, too much right. and they don't care about me or the project. So you know what? I'm gonna let think you know who did with you now. You know right. what I'm saying? So, uh, like one of my favorite uh, lines uh, from the show, Tracy says, "That ain't got nothing to do with me." So right now, this this ain't got nothing to do with me no more because I'm leaving it in in God's hands. Yeah, you know? give it to God and so, let him do the rest. Yeah, um, I did definitely want to ask you uh, in closing about black filmmaking because we are black filmmakers. Of course. Um, I asked uh, a previous uh, podcast uh, interviewee uh, Eric about uh, did he feel obligated to write black stories and he told me that not necessarily it's about writing stories that are true to you Uh so I asked you uh, obviously you like sci-fi I like sci-fi too and so 
Um, I think I was just kind of grasping the message of like why certain people always create the same thing over and over and over. Not to throw shade to uh, Spike Lee, but always the same type of movies on injustice and, th- and things like that. But then I had an epiphany. I was like, you know what? He's, he's, he's writing and he's expressing what's true to him. Mm-hmm. You know, that's his reality. That's his thing. So, you know, he shouldn't be knocked for doing that. You of know? course not, because Even, there's multiple stories out there. Yeah. And a lot of things, like, we, 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 we are so, like, we're so conducive mm-hmm. to so, so much shit that's out here. And we're just so comfortable with it, if you will. We don't, we don't like going outside of that comfort zone. And a lot of people feel as though, like, if a filmmaker do a certain type of niche, then mm-hmm. they can't go outside their comfort zone. You're right. In fact, it's more or less, this is what they know. This is their experience. Right. And it's multiple people's experiences that they are showcasing right. in a different, um, in, in a different light. Right. Because, like, um, for Spike Lee, for example, yeah. he is always, like, you know, at the precipice of what is going on right, right. now. And giving you that in not the su- subtle way, yeah, 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 yeah. if you will. Yeah. He, is going, he is going to let you know what his opinion of it mm-hmm. is. And he's going to let you see these characters' development and see the right. story unfold so you can understand a perspective that you didn't have or right. open your mind to something that if you didn't see and um, do the right thing, you'll see in um, other works like yeah. The Five Bloods. Right. It's like that injustice and how it trickles down throughout the centuries. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had in that particular film, you had African-Americans fighting for a country at a time in a place that we weren't treated fairly. Mm. So we were fighting for the American dream that we didn't have or that wasn't being offered to us. But we seen that and do the right thing. Right. But now we're seeing it in a different way, in a different light. Because it's never, my personal, me personal, I've never seen five African-Americans yeah. that were were in the war, well four, I think four was in the war. Like four was in the Vietnam War. I never really see soldiers of our color focused on and talked about in that nature. I mean, Red Tails is the only other time piece that I can think of right off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. But it's like, that's not focused on. Right. For, for right now, it's just a mainstream of, um, I, I, like, uh, what is it? Saving Private Ryan. Right. You know, it's only like white male leads have saved America. And it's putting that in the forefront. With Spike Lee brought to the front, it's, no, it was, yeah. many different races in the wars throughout the years and contribute to that and those are overlooked just like in Do The Right Thing it was a community that was overlooked within their own damn community mm-hmm. so it's definitely repetition it's telling the story with multiple stories maybe from different angles too yes and from and, different aspects yeah and that's a, that's like that's one of the things he do one of the people I'm very excited about is now, because she's starting to get behind the camera a little bit more, I was like a fan of her when she was like doing directing episodes of Scandal, Regina King, because she was doing it. Yeah. Like, and she also directed episodes of Insecure, but she did a build up, and that's what I liked about her. She didn't just like, I'm Regina King, I'm this force, and just I'm going to direct movies. No, she learned. She learned while she was on a set. I mean, going back to Two Two Seven when she was on uh, 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 that show, like from being just like mm-hmm. a young teenager on that show, developing, learning. But guess what? 20 plus years later, right? 20 plus years later, 
She's still in her field, still dominating her field. And now she's reaching other aspects yeah. of her, like other trades and other aspects of filmmaking. And it's so genius. I mean, I don't know if you just, have you seen um, her recent trip to Miami? I'm, that's in my shit, face. <laughs> like, come on. It was just like, she yeah. took she took a stage play and exploded it. Yeah. I, like, I, I was, when I saw it, I was like, not that I was judging her, but you can't really tell the difference. Like, in terms of like a professional director, right. It's like if 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 you didn't even know who directed the movie and they told you you can't get it, you'd be like stop lying. One night in Miami. Yeah, because because you you know because you just wouldn't visual. You know what I'm saying? You and wouldn't. You and wouldn't. There's nothing wrong with that, no, but, no, it's but, not. but it's just like it's like it's not that it's odd, but it's just like okay, she directed a movie. It's great. So it was like amazing, you know, that you have. But like you said, years of experience of, years of experience. being on set. Being on set, absorbing all of that knowledge, seeing the director, seeing the mm -hmm. um, ADs, mm -hmm. seeing the producer, seeing the screenwriter, changing um, dialect, dialogue right on set right. in that particular moment, her right. adding her own right. queenness to it. Yeah. It's like, it was really, it was refreshing to see how she immortalized these phenomenal men. Right. You know, Malcolm X. You know Amazing. how he was depicted, flawed. Like they actually showed him flawed. He was yeah. stubborn in the movie. Yes, and he was intelligent, and he was heartfelt, and he was human. And like, you don't really. I personally, you can't really get that with certain filmmakers because if you look at her portrayal of how Malcolm X was, and then you look at how Malcolm X is portrayed in media, even to this day, he's the radical. You know what I mean? He's, they always compare him to that of Martin Luther King. He was about peace, too. He was about love, too. He was about unity, too, from within his own community to the outside. And it was expressed. And that's what I liked about it. He wasn't right all the time. He right. was wrong. He was flawed. And what I liked about that movie is Regina King explored these men at the height of their career. And she humanized them. She made me feel like I can have a conversation with Muhammad Ali. Yeah. She made me feel that these people were genuine. They were real and they were flawed. And even when, um, even when uh, Leslie Jones is the character, is the actor, and no, not Leslie Jones. I'm sorry. What's his last name? John. Uh, Odom, yes. Is it Odom Jr. Yeah. Leslie Odom Jr. Yeah. Leslie Odom. Jr. Oh, yeah. Um. Even him, like that, like the song that he sung, right? And the message that he was getting across, like his character was seen as somebody who was a sellout, somebody who just did this, but he was working in a system that is pinned against him. And he's using his platform to reach millions of people. And then in this defining moment, he says, I want a song. I need a song yeah. to like, you know, branch out. And I loved how they came about that. It's you had a conversation with somebody who you didn't see what you were doing. You didn't see what you were doing. Michael Max didn't see what he was doing. And it was just, it was good because yeah. it lets you know that these people are people. And it breaks it down to the point. You can be the best of the best. You can be at the top of your career. You can 
be Malcolm X, but you are still human. And that's what filmmaking is supposed to do. It's supposed to resonate with you. It's supposed to make you believe it, make you feel as though I related with this character and I don't know him from a can of paint. All I know is what you conveyed to me. And I think she did a great job with that. I really do. I think like, she immortalized these human beings. Um, and she really left her her filmmaking as like her filmmaking sense on it, if you will. Like she left she just left her fragrance all over it. Right. And it was really, really touching. And the fact that um another thing is like so we are put in a box like can black filmmakers make content for white people? Make um like have white people star in their films. And one thing that I would say about Regina King, I don't think nobody even pointed this out. She's an African American woman and she made a movie about four African American men. men. Yeah. So it's like we have that cross potential. Like we should not be like limited just just certain genres. Like a lot of female directors are directing a lot of female led films. You can direct anything. I'm a director. What makes me like any different from anybody else? My creativity, what I bring to it, my voice. She she's a African American woman, and she brought these characters to life, and they they're men. So it's like it's not impossible. We don't need to be put in a box because the box is ridiculous. It's a ridiculous fucking concept. Like as a black filmmaker, I feel as though it isn't my duty, but it's my privilege to be able to bring out stories out here. Because everything I that comes from me, I am black. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna have that swagger. It's gonna have that sense of myself in it. And I and I don't limit that to like um to just like these little minute fucking stories. I don't do that. Like I explore different worlds, um, different adventures. We can be seen in any medium. Our limitations are what we project. So get rid of them. Man, beautifully said, man. Beautifully said, man. Uh, Shit, that that was that was amazing. So, all facts. As as black creators, you know, it's just like, why should we put a limitation? Why eliminate it? It's it's so it's so belittling. It's so belittling to your creativity, because literally the world is. The sky is an old saying that's so stupid. They say the sky is the limit, right? right? We've gone beyond the skies. We're in the stars. stars yeah. We're in different. We're trying to go to, to different, different galaxies. galaxies. Yeah. So it's like and, the sky's the limit. No, no you're the limit. Yeah. Like whatever you put on yourself, that's the limit. So remove that. Um, yeah. So so what's next for you? Uh, well, as I mentioned before, um, I'm working on a proof of concept piece for uh, Death Walks With Her. Um, it's a working title right now, but I am actively like um, in a, I'm finalizing the script. Um, hopefully start casting at the end, end of this month, beginning of April. Uh, and then we go into production on that. And in the midst of doing that, I am currently in the editing phase of editing That's My Brother, which is a semi-autobiography of my life and how my brother uh, comes to live with me about like two years now. He comes to live with me right after college. And we're just, we're picking up right off there. I kind of like wanted to pay homage to our old 
um, 90s, late 90s and early 2000s sitcoms. Uh, I really wanted to pay homage to that. So it is a lot of those little Easter eggs in there. Um, and it really just tells the story of two siblings and their love for each other, their compassion for each other, but all the tomfoolery that comes in between. And it's, it's definitely an expose on life. And we definitely tackle COVID in it as well. So um, those are the two projects that I'm really working on right now that follows her, um, that walks with her. Yeah, Maybe that follows her. Yeah. Working title. Um, but I'm, I'm working on that, and that's my brother. Both are going to be featured on at Yake's House mm -hmm. um, on Instagram, at Yake's House, Y-A-T-E-S, House, if you don't know how to spell house, H-O-U-S-E. Um, so at Yake's House, it's um for Yake's House Production. That's um that's the name of the company, and we're also featured on YouTube as well. And we're getting into different areas of the social media game. I am new to this world of social media, right. but I am grateful for having me. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's my um those are the two projects I'm working on now currently. What about you? What's what's slated next? Because I know you just wrapped on Royals. Yeah. Wrapped on Blackheart, uh -huh. uh, Royalty, the Aurora Brothers. Um, I'm working on a new project called Daily Beloved. Daily Beloved. Are yeah. we in the early stages of writing? What, what is... Oh, we're already in like trying to get this like rolling. Like, oh, wow. Like in Jan We're about to go yeah. in production. Yeah. So I wrote uh, two episodes so far. Um, the story is about a girl named Cheryl who loves rock music. Okay. And I wanted to do it because uh, everyone thinks rock music is white music, or they think if you listen to it, you're not black. You know. Okay. Yeah. And so I tackled so many things in that show because it's supposed to be a show that I might pitch Netflix one day. I don't know or Hulu or whatever. But I'm doing either the fifth or the seventh episode where. The main character Cheryl goes into Saturday detention. Okay. Um. So it's like almost like a Breakfast Club spinoff. So you have other characters that kind of get in trouble. You have Elaine, who's almost like this princess girl who everyone loves, and her identity is that she, people think that she's bougie. They think that she's stuck up and because she's pretty and she's nice and she's the captain of the cheerleading team and debate team and class president. Mm -hmm. So she just has to keep. Actually, it's just rolling on. So people think, oh, you're you're privileged and you have this because her mother is a principal. Okay. So she has that, that identity of like, I'm not like this. You have Christopher, who's a jock, who wants to break out of that mold because people think jocks are assholes. But he's kind-hearted, he's funny, he's nice. And so he does something to get himself in trouble to land him in Saturday detention. Um Carver, I haven't really figured out. But What's the it, genre of this? Is this comedy? It, it's 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 definitely drama. Okay. I think I think dramas are my niches because I can just go overboard with it is anything. A lot you know to what I'm saying? With. Because like 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 even with royalty, it's like it was like what really made that movie was how dramatic it was uh -huh. and just having the actors take it up a notch. And so of even course. with this, you know, you have Cheryl being like this rebellious person, and the principal, whenever they go back and forth. You know, it's like almost like the principal wants to fight this little girl. It's like, don't play, like you know that. what I'm saying? I like that. You know what I'm saying? So, but it's like, when people look at it, it's like, this, well, she's an adult. She shouldn't be doing like this. But it's like, there's so much experience in my upbringing that I want to put into it where I've had teachers 
talk to students like little boy i will snatch you about your you know what i'm saying which is black culture so there's yeah. so much black culture in it that may look ratchet but it's identity you know it's uh, you know i think the whole thing is about identity and how people judge a book by its cover of course you because know? you're looking at one side of things um and when you only look at one side you don't see the other side right. you're only seeing through colored lenses that's mm -hmm. why that yeah. saying is the saying yeah um, rose-colored lenses because you have a warped perception of what mm. you're seeing. Um, that was something that I actually took on when I was first initially writing That's My Brother. Mm. It was the sense of like, I see a lot of several uh, uh, like uh, family rivalry. Mm -hmm. um, and when it comes to sibling, sibling rivalry, um, it's always like anytime you see like two family members on screen, they're either fighting each other or they're not on like the best of terms. They only really show the fun part, the ups and downs. They only really shows the downs. So one one of the reasons why I really wanted to make this particular comedy mm -hmm. um, is because I wanted to show the fun side. Like you have fun with your siblings. These are the people who they may not know you best, but they've been with you the longest. They had to have picked up on something yeah. by now. And that's one of the things I wanted to really highlight with this particular show. It's like um, you see two brothers like um, interact on a, a level that you haven't really seen before in any aspect of media. Mm -hmm. You really see them like you see them interact on a personal level. You see them act on a professional level. You see them interact on a heartfelt level. It's the stereotypes of like breaking the stereotypes of we don't show affection within our community. We don't, we don't have um, a sense of unity in our community and things of this nature. And it's breaking those because those are not true. We have unity. We have love. I mean, it's family. You know, you don't always love... I mean, you always yeah. like your family, but right. you always have them. Right. And I wanted to show different stages of that and really explore that. And I feel like that's what you were trying to, that's what you were doing with your film. Yeah. In the sense of showing different people and how they come together for one particular, it could be an event or goal, but one particular thing, right? These are a group of female women. They're like female women. Um, these are a group of, these are a group of powerful females. They're coming together. And yes, they have like this like little rift. But that doesn't define where the story goes. Right. right? That's just one little niche of it. Right. 100%. Well, thank you so much, Shaquan, for thank sitting you. down and having this discussion. Uh, <sighs> this was a very much needed discussion. Uh, I love having conversations with you about uh, like filmmaking yeah. and about damn near anything. Yeah, I think this pretty much wraps this podcast. Right. Uh, oh, series. right. I'm supposed to plug myself, and right? Full of circle, yeah. Oh, God, okay. At Shaquan Yates is where you can follow me on Instagram. That's the at sign with the little A in it. Um, then it's S H A Q W A N E Y T E S. Yes, it's ghetto, but I love it. Um, it's not really even ghetto; it's unique. It's a little ghetto though with a W. Like, where the fuck did that come from, Mom? Um, but yes, and you can also um, follow um, my channel, um, Yakes House Productions, at Yakes House um, on Instagram and on YouTube. That's Y A T E S H A. Wait, yeah, my can't spell Yakes House. H O U S E. 
<laughs> Definitely edit that last part. Um, no, it's too late. It's 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 all unfiltered. God damn it. On raw. <laughs> the behind the scenes. Shaquan don't know how to spell with your Midas Yeah, <laughs> you know how it is. But yeah, this has been Revan Studios After Hours. Uh, hope to see you in the next one. Take care. So, did you enjoy this podcast session? Why don't you give it a thumbs up? Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the notification bell so you can be alerted when we post something new. Follow us on Instagram at the Fisher Revenue Studios. And so, I've been your host, Joshua B. Alexander. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Revenue Studios After Hour podcast. Can't wait for you to return to listen to the second season. Until then, take care.